Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. It's not how you start, but how you finish. We are your co-hosts, Solomon and Jamila Jefferson. We want you all to know, no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we've made, we will not allow our past to determine our future. Hello, everyone. We will be discussing again the topic on mental illness and mental health condition with our guest, Mrs. Teresa Gordon, a seasoned licensed school psychologist. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you and especially discussing this topic. So thank you. We're glad to have you. All right. So can you briefly share a little bit about yourself personally and professionally? Okay. Well, I'll flip it and talk about professional first. As you mentioned, I'm a seasoned school psychologist, which is code for I've been doing it for a long time, 20 years. I have worked in a variety of educational settings. I've also worked in private practice. I've worked in suburban schools, urban schools. I currently work in Northern Virginia. And as a school psychologist, I have done all of the traditional things such as assessment, consultation, counseling. But I've also developed a very strong interest in mental health over the years. That's really become a passion for me. So that's the professional side. Personally, I am married. I've been married for more than 20 years. I have a son, one son, 17 years old. As you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm active in my church. I'm really blessed that you all have this forum for us to be able to discuss mental health and also use a faith lens to discuss it. So thank you for that. Thank you. So if you wouldn't mind, can you briefly explain to our audience the definition of mental illness slash mental health condition? With mental health, just like with health, it is a an overall state of being. So to be mentally healthy, it means that thoughts, your behaviors, your ability to handle stress, it's balanced, that there are no significant issues. But on the opposite end of that, when a person reaches the domain of mental illness, those areas of being able to think clearly, deal with stressors, maintain satisfactory relationships, those things decline. I like to think of mental health like on a continuum, just like with physical health. Any person at any point could have positive mental health or severely impacted mental health, just depending on external factors, genetic factors, situational factors. But I like to think of it as a continuum because that shows that there's hope. Having a diagnosis or having a challenge doesn't mean you're going to have that forever or that it's going to have a severe impact forever. So why do you believe or think some people in the African-American community perceive mental illness in a negative way or a negative context? I think it's complicated. You know, I think that the research shows that African-Americans of all Americans are the most religious people. You know, we have the strongest faith. We have the largest proportion of people who profess a faith in God. And so with that, I think from the faith perspective, there have been some difficulties with accepting that anything can be a real challenge to life. You know, there's this idea that if you have faith, then nothing should be causing you a significant challenge. You should be able to overcome everything, right? And so I think that in some cases that has become stigmatizing. You know, we don't necessarily say to people who are presenting with problems physically, 
oh, don't worry about it. Just pray about it. If someone is saying I'm having some, you know, my blood pressure has been extremely elevated. Most of the time, if in your family or in your faith community, they're going to say you should probably get that checked out. But when a person is reporting signs of anxiety or depression, there's less of that. And so I think in our community, African-Americans and in the faith community, there is a perception that mental illness is a weakness, a personal weakness, or maybe that it's a spiritual weakness. You know, maybe it's a demon. Maybe you haven't prayed enough about it. And that is a problem because what happens is if you're part of a faith community, that is very often the first place you're going to go if you're experiencing challenge. You're going to go speak to an elder, go speak to a pastor or a leader in your church. And if that first person that you go to is dismissive about the fact that you have these symptoms or whether the symptoms are your fault, then that can keep people from going any further. If you are experiencing serious symptoms, it can keep you from getting the right help. We thank God at the faith community that we are a part of that they even had, like we talked before to our prior guests, when we talked about mental illness, that they had a mental health first aid training, which was such a blessing. And it was for the adults. And I know you have a background with training in that curriculum. And I also was able to do the training for the kids. So I thank God for our church in other churches, hopefully trying to break stigma and trying to allow people to get educated and awareness. But like you said, there's still other churches out there and faith-based communities that, based on example you mentioned, that could not help the person and that could make the stigma even worse or the person not get the help that they need. Yes, yes. I, that's awesome that your church has that. That's wonderful. There are... Um, additional barriers besides the stigma. You know, um, the stigma is a real concern, but then there are financial barriers. You know, a lack of uh, lack of insurance can be a barrier for some. Um, it's getting better, but there is a lack of diversity among therapists and care providers. Cultural competence is necessary. You know, um, making sure that the providers have a good understanding of the impact of all kinds of things on a person's mental health and that that understanding is there. So that can impact the access to care. In my work, what I see very often is that parents are are carrying these negative perceptions or lack of understanding about what's happening. And in the school, you know, um, Jamila, that schools are sometimes the first place that these issues are seen. And so as a parent, it can be very difficult to hear from an outsider, so to speak, someone who's not in your family, um, that your child is showing some things that are different. And so um, a lot of times there's denial combined with the stigma. So it's really important for school personnel to be able to be compassionate with, you know, families and thinking about every child as though it is your child. Right, right. I'm glad you mentioned that because serving in the school, you know, as a school nurse, and I love the multidisciplinary with the school psychologist and the school counselor and the principal and the climate staff and the teachers. 
teamwork makes dream work. And so when we're all, like you said, there for the student and for the families, like it makes that so much better because you do see things in the school. And if you're able to be open and transparent professionally, it could give that parent hope. It could give that family hope. We're in this with you and we want the best for your child. Your child can succeed and learn as well. So, okay, great. I know also I've heard teens say like, you know, well, you should see a professional or talk to someone and them not wanting to speak to a professional as a barrier. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think teenagers, you know, are different. You know, the adolescence in and of itself, you know, again, because of your medical background, that in adolescence, there are a lot of changes happening that in a way kind of make teenagers a little bit disagreeable. You know, they want things to be their own idea. And so to have things suggested to them, um, again, you have to really have a gentle and compassionate approach. And the relationship building is really critical. So as school staff, as community members, the idea of remembering what it was like to be a teenager who was experiencing all of the typical challenges, you know, changing your appearance, your body is changing. Mentally, you're still developing, you know, um, decision-making is not quite firm when you're a teenager. And so when we work with young people, we have to remember what that was like and how we didn't always want to go right along with what we were, what was suggested to us, if not told us by adults. You know, I think it's really important to build that relationship, that trusting relationship uh, with a young person so that you can come alongside them and say, I recommend this because I care about you, you know, giving some examples of of how it can be helpful, kind of easing them into. Okay, great. So we're going to go into some stories. Did you want to share, Solomon, sure, on this topic? Yes, I am so glad that we're having this conversation. Uh, I grew up in the early 60s, and I started going to school, I guess you could say around the mid-60s. And in my growing up, and even in my own family, which was a large family, I realized that there's some stuff that that was misdiagnosed as I got older because I find out now that a lot of my family members were suffering with some type of mental illnesses. But see, I grew up in the era that they discipline you. And when you act out, you got discipline. I find out exactly. And, and I find out now that it wasn't that the kid was being defiant. The kid would just have something going on. And even with that said, as I was going to school, I remember kids getting paddled because now that I look at it now, they had mental illnesses, but I thank God now that the schools are more educated and more uh, aware of mental illness because now they have therapists, they have special counselors. When I went to school, we had one counselor, and the only thing that counselor did was make sure you went to your next grade. There was no mental health or any of that kind of conversation back then, but unfortunately for us at that time, uh, they passed you along to the next grade. And then once you got to the age of your, of your teenage years, that's when you really acted out and become connected with the criminal justice system because you hit and it's very unfortunate. Well, I was I was just gonna um, maybe add, speak to what you described a little bit. Everything that you said, I can relate to. I grew up in the '70s, and it was very similar. And after working all these years in schools, I can certainly see many improvements in terms of um, not being so strong on the discipline, but recognizing the challenges and identifying the risk factors and providing support. But I will say there is still a gap 
and we still have a ways to go um, because there is still a disparity when you look at African-American males being, and females as well, who are disciplined unfairly. You know, instead of identifying their challenges, you know, you may have, I've seen many times where you have very similar set of behaviors, very similar performance, and two totally different paths in terms of how it's addressed. One student who has severe anxiety, for example, or signs of anxiety might be able to have a reduced schedule, get a 504 plan, have really a compassionate set of things done for that student. But another student whose anxiety may show up as attendance issues, which is a real, it it could easily do that, or it may show up as becoming agitated or withdrawn or not participating. Maybe that student is then disciplined or considered a problem. And unfortunately, some of that is due to race or um, economic status. But we do have a ways to go, but there definitely has been a lot of progress. Amen. And to segue in, can you share some practical tools and different scriptures based on what we've been talking about regarding this topic that can help caregivers as well as those who are impacted themselves with mental illnesses so they can live their possible best self? Um, Well, the first thing I want to say is we have to stop the stigma in the church. We have to recognize that it's okay to have mm-hmm. Jesus and a therapist. We, yeah. you know, we, we, have to, we have to stop that. We have to stop that. Um, and so in terms of considering how to help yourself with faith, with I mean, there's tons of research the, in the secular community, in the science community, that proves that a strong faith is actually an, a big asset, a big help to people who have mental illness or mental challenge. So that's a fact. It's a fact that if you consider the character of God and, you know, that God is all loving, God is all wise, God is all powerful, and he loves you. God loves you, has your best interest in mind. And when you have that, that alone gives you hope. And so when it comes to uh, thinking of the character of God and then thinking of who you are in the eyes of God, you know, who are you in Christ? And so then you can look at scriptures. I'm more than a conqueror, recognizing who you are, recognizing that if you are struggling with your personal identity or feeling worthwhile, then Ephesians 2 and 10 tells you you are God's workmanship. And so recognizing who God is and who you are to God can really be a, a source of resilience when it comes to mental challenges. That's not to say that if you meditate on scripture, that that is going to cure. It may, because God is absolutely a healer. But it might be that you are using your faith as an, as another layer of, of support. For yourself. So maybe you have scripture, you know, maybe you have a therapist, maybe you have medication, maybe you have a support group. And so it can definitely be a, a saving grace. So to speak. Yeah. And just to add to that, one of the quotes that stood out, she does a lot of work as well. And she's a reverend and a doctor is Reverend Dr. Anita Phillips and her quote stated oh, I love, I just, I'm just running to her and I'm so yes. <laughs> she, yeah so her quote says prayer is a weapon therapy is a strategy so just to add to yes. that um, what you said earlier did I, you, just you know? saw, I just saw her with the shirt I'm going to get yes, that yes. <laughs> ditto, ditto did you want to share 
Solomon. Well, you know, my favorite scripture always stands, Matthew 6, 33. Once you see ye first the kingdom of God, everything's going to be okay. As we were preparing for this, there's so many resources and so many websites. And Teen Line, I think, or TeenLineOnline.org is a confidential and anonymous service for teens because sometimes teens want to talk to other teens and they have supervised mental health professionals that are available. So like sometimes when teens don't, that's like probably a step forward, not to say that's absolute, but also. But what I like about that Teen Line is the teenagers that you're talking to, they're trained. They're, they're professionally trained to do that. Right. So and then they have a backup. Yes. Not to say that's the end all be all. But yeah. And so the scripture that stood out to me is so many scriptures. And I love the ones you all shared. But Joshua 1 9 from the New Living Translation. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So in closing, do you have any more thoughts or things you would like to share before we wrap up? Um. I, I would like to add one more scripture that I, I had to look up. I, it stays on my mind, but I had to look it up. So I made sure. Yeah, scripture. go for it. Take your time. We are at Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And this is the new King James. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So that idea of taking captive every thought that rises up against the knowledge of God, I think is very critical because what mental illness does is lie towards the truth. And so when we learn to to recognize that a thought that rises up and says, you're nobody, you're worthless, nobody loves you. Well, you can take that captive and then say to it, that's a lie. I know God loves me, you know, because while I, while we were yet in our sins, Jesus died for us. You know, no greater love. So you can take thoughts captive by keeping the truth of God's word to the thought. So don't believe everything you think. Amen. And I love a quote that was mentioned about you that I was going to read. It says, if asked to capitalize the view that you hold, Mrs. Teresa Gordon, about every person she meets, Mrs. Gordon would simply reply in quotes, you may matter. And I thank God for that, that we had you as our guest today. If you are led to do so and you would like to provide your contact information, you're more than welcome at this time to do that before we end. Okay. Bridge of Consulting Solutions at gmail.com. Thank you. Did you want to say something closing, Solomon, before we Yeah, go? sister, you, you hit a good point a while ago when you said that young people matter. And I was reading that the CDC reports that young people, as a matter of fact, it said 157,000 youth between the ages of 10 and 24 yearly go to the emergency room for self-inflicted wounds. So what that tells me is that their mind has been destroyed distorted. Based upon that scripture that you read in Second Corinthians, the power of God eliminates that. So I'm praying now that God continues to captivate these young people's minds because I don't know if they're looking for attention or whatever the case may be, but for that number to be so large, we still got an issue. I think the main thing that, I agree, absolutely. I think the main thing that young people, any person who attempts suicide is looking for is peace. 
They want some sort of pain that they're in to stop. And so even the thoughts we have to stigmatize, you know, when people talk about suicide, if they are able to get to the point of talking about it, feeling safe to talk about it, very often the first thing people will do when you learn this in mental health first aid, I know, is that people will say, oh, don't say that. Or it's a sin to talk about that. Or they, they say something that will shut the person down. And so it's really important to recognize that actually thoughts of suicide are pretty common, but acting on the thoughts is a little bit less common. And so if someone is is brave enough to say it, what we want to say is, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, you want to give them a safety to share it and then try to get to what is it that that they're seeking relief from and how can you connect them to somebody that's going to help them. So if, if you need peace, then guess what? The Word of God offers peace. Amen. And the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. So in wrapping up, resource that I mentioned, I think I didn't give the website properly about for teens. It's called teenlineonline.org. We thank you, Sister Gordon. This has been so enlightening and so a blessing and so inspirational. Amen. We really um, thank you. We Amen. thank God for your work. Amen. And we thank God for who you are. We thank the Lord for our past crossing when we did. Yeah. Look forward to it again yeah. sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God thank bless. You. God bless you. Thank you so much. Pray continued blessings on your podcast and congratulations. So no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we have made, it does not define who we are or where we are going. It is just a part of our story and the journey that God has us on to not only learn from these different experiences, but to sometimes be able to help support, encourage, and inspire others who may be going through similar situations. My husband and I have learned this to be true because of our different life experiences, which have led us in wanting to continue to share our stories along with others to know it is not how you start, but how you finish.